My name's Adele Onyango and welcome to another episode of Legally Clueless. No, seriously, I have no clue what I'm doing, but I'm pretty sure I'm not the only one. Hey you, welcome to episode 127. Thanks for rocking with this podcast. If this is your first ever episode to listen to, welcome to the tribe. Make sure you join us on our Instagram page. We're at Legally Clueless Podcast. On Twitter, just use the hashtag Legally Clueless. And if you check out our YouTube channel, you can watch season one of our video series, A link to our YouTube, our Instagram is in the show notes. Also coming soon to our YouTube channel are the episodes from the tour. (laughs) So if you are just joining, that means you have no idea that we are currently on tour. We flagged off in Nairobi and this past week we took the podcast to Kisumu and to Nakuru. And now I came back to Nairobi for one night as I'm recording this. Tomorrow morning, we're off to Mombasa, which should be absolutely fun. I am having so much fun on this tour. I really am. I think uh, it occurred to me when I was in Kisumu and we went on this boat ride. That was just so fantastic. I can't wait for you to watch the video episodes, by the way. All of this and more is in there. But when I was on this boat in the middle of Lake Victoria, maybe not the middle, but like (laughs) surrounded by Lake Victoria, it just occurred to me that this is really what I want to do for a very long time in terms of going out, meeting people where they're at and hearing their stories, sharing those stories and then exploring this big and beautiful continent that we have. This is really what I want to do. And I really felt on that boat so much like myself how can I explain it it's like I don't know if the word is assured or like I just felt such an intimate understanding of myself and an acknowledgement yeah that's what it is that this is really where I want to be so enjoying it so when we're in Kisumu I have to give a huge shout out to the space where we recorded all the beautiful, powerful Kisum stories, one of which is coming up a little later in this episode. In fact, oh my God, I have not played that for you. Listen to this. <laughs> I'm from Kisumu. I was born in a pretty conservative family. My dad is a pastor. So in my third year in campus, I got pregnant. And that's when I would say my life really began. My dad was really one of the greatest pillars of my life. I felt like I had disappointed him. I sort of misplaced the pregnancy <laughs> result. And my dad got it. I wasn't employed. I had to take care of a whole child. When I came home, I didn't want to burden my parents. So I didn't ask for money for diapers. So my baby daddy was not helpful financially when I came back to Kisumu. And there was this night that I did not get to buy the diapers. And my baby peed in bed. And and I looked at her in that moment and I said, this is the lowest that we will ever go. Doesn't matter whether it's washing toilets. I didn't care what I was going to do to provide. That is one of the stories that we recorded in Kisumu this past week. It's a story by Patricia and it's going to be coming up a little later in this episode. But in Kisumu, where we were recording all of these stories is a community space called Lake Hub. They are a co-working community. They have programs that incubate different young people with their ideas in Kisumu. They're trying to make sure young people get access to digital skills that will help them. And not only like in Kisumu, I do know that they are working on a project that will see them take those skills to Lodwa. I mean, it's just going in that space. It's like, oh, my God, look, look what people are doing. Almost like my hope is 
restored in humanity, you know what I mean? So if you check out the show notes, you can get a link to check out Lake Hub and see all they're doing. And if you're in Kisumu, how you can connect with them. Trust me, you want to. So day one in Kisumu was spent recording these stories and day two was spent exploring and shooting the video episode. One of the places that we went to, which is super important, is like my home home, my ancestral home, which is about 45 minutes out of Kisumu. It's a place called Simenya. And so I went to see my grandma, which was great. I hadn't seen her in so long. Obviously, we were safe about it. But I think like seeing her was... I had kind of grown like this hard heart, especially... Well, it's not a hard heart. I just have drawn really strong boundaries around me. And not that that's a bad thing. I don't think so. I just feel like if you cross me or my sisters or you... I feel a certain way in our relationship, I pull up the boundaries even higher. And I think that kind of happened with my grandma. And seeing her was nice. Seeing her was nice. It was really awesome. I mean, she cooked for like a whole village and we were just four people as grandmothers do, I guess. And we talked, but also most importantly, because that's where my mom is buried. I went to see my mother's grave. Now, this is where I'm so thankful that I work with a very close friend who has been a friend for possibly just over a decade because it's always good to have someone around in those moments to, what do they call it? Like just to not debrief you like to bring you back when you've experienced such high emotional feelings well that doesn't make sense heightened feelings yeah I think that sounds better so at least I'm with my friend Roy but I went to mommy's grave by myself initially it was okay I was sitting at the foot of her grave and I was just like talking to her and then (laughs) all of these emotions started coming but the one that was very apparent for me was anger so much so I'm a crier but it took me a while to cry in that moment because I was just consumed by rage and it's like a number of things like you're angry at this life thing like what the hell what is this where did you take this woman away then I got angry at her like I was just like what the hell like why did you go and then I got angry at myself because I was like that is so insensitive you know how hard she fought and it was just like cycle of rage and then the strange thing and I was talking to my aunt who also lost her mom and she said this happens to her as well when I was leaving my mom's grave like you know to go because we needed to get back to Kisumu before curfew I felt like I was abandoning my mom it was strange it was so strange anyway during my rage (laughs) vent by her grave I think one of the things I was asking for is a sign I was like I just I just really need a sign that you're here that your energy is like around me somehow like I just you know I I think I was even so weird and mad because at a point there was, was like a rock by the side of not a rock like a stone by the side of her grave and I'm just like just just make that stone move <laughs> just 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 tingsha it a bit and that's how I'll know you're here which is just like mad but in that moment man there's no rationality when it comes to grief anyway so fast forward we finish up in Kisumu and then we head to Nakuru which is where I've come from today so this is linked to the whole sign situation no stones were moved but you tell me if this is not a bit strange so I get to Nakuru obviously I know before I go to a space who I'm recording and we've worked a bit on their story and by worked I mean they've shared what story they want to share 
I send them some some prompts just to help them think harder about it. So that that's the only thing that we do because the stories then are very raw still. You know what I mean? They're not a performance. So, but I I do have an idea during this tour that is, by the time I'm recording someone, I have an idea of what story they're going to share because they had to write a brief about that when they were applying. So one of the storytellers was going to be sharing a story about her three very dear friends, two friends. So it was a story around friendship and celebrating that. And it was about memories and experiences. And I was like, ooh, that sounds yummy. Definitely want to record the story. And she walks onto the set. This isn't a crew, guys. She walks onto the set. She actually tells me, I changed my mind about what story I'm going to share. I'd rather celebrate my mom. I'm like, okay, that's that's great. She starts sharing this story about just things. Obviously, you'll hear it a little later down the episode line but in a nutshell without giving too much she talks about some fond memories she's had with her mom and then it becomes a grief situation after she loses her mom i now understand when people will say they listen to a story on this podcast that they connected with and it was just theirs not to say i'm not connected with other stories but this one was strange it was a it was like this 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 lady opened her mouth and it was like she was sharing my story there were things she was talking about in terms of memories of her mom that they did that i did with my mom she's the last born she even we realized we have tattoos related to our moms on the same place on the same hand (laughs) anyway so she's i've never cried not once when recording over 150 african stories for this podcast i have never cried but (laughs) at a point in her story she talks about the burial and it just was me It just took me back to like being at my mom's grave two days before that. The tears just came out. Then she started crying and I was just like, oh my goodness, I'm sorry I made you cry. But it was, I understand the magic now. I understand fully the magic of storytelling. Not to say that I didn't before, but let me tell, this was such an intimate connection. I don't believe I've had that before. And so I I can't wait for you to hear all the powerful stories that we're recording during this tour. And I feel like I choose to be, when it comes to that particular story, I think that was the sign. Because there were so many things in that girl's story that were just the same as mine. And she even shared quotes and words that help her understand grief and death and love. And uh, I can't wait to to share that story with you because it, it was just wild. Anyway... So that was Kisumu and Nakuru. And it's been so beautiful. I'm really looking forward to tomorrow going to Mombasa. Okay, before we jump into me sharing the first story from Kisumu with you, the song of the week. (laughs) There is a song this week. There is a song. And this one I just stumbled on again. Like I I loved it from before and then I just almost forgot about it. And then I refound it. Don't you like when that happens with music? It's like... (gasps) You're discovering your best song all over again. So this song is by Della. Della is a Kenyan vocalist with a beautiful voice. And the name of the song is Wichitek, which in Luo, which the song is in, is just like things, things are thick, (laughs) loosely translated. I think it's a beautiful song. If you check out the show notes, there's a link to that song there. Okay, let's jump into the story. I like the story a lot. It is, I feel like, more like a pep talk. There's so many insightful things that Patricia shares in her story. And if I was to capture it in a string of words, this story really is about how her 
child brought her, Patricia, back home to herself. A hundred African stories on Legally Clueless coming to you from the road. We partnered with Africa No Filter to take this podcast on tour to Nakuru, Kisumu, Mombasa and Nairobi, bringing you powerful and inspiring African stories. So my name is Patricia Nudi Oral. I'm from Kisumu, uh, from the Luo tribe. I grew up here in Kisumu. I went to school primarily in Kisumu uh, and so this is home. I was born in a pretty uh, conservative family. My dad is a pastor. Um, uh, it was a, a pretty close-knit family. When I was a child, I felt like I didn't really fit in. At that time, I thought I was born a rebel. As I grew older, I, I began to realize that I really just had a mind uh, and I, I just wanted to speak out. And that is not very common uh, in Africa, uh, but children do not have opinions. And I realized I, I didn't fit in because of that. I wanted to ask questions and uh, I wanted answers. Uh, it had to make sense to me for me to do it as early as I could remember. So because that was frowned upon, I got into my shell as much as I could. I did not speak up a lot in my in my primary school, I transitioned to high school. Part of what I realized at that point is I wanted to use my voice more. I, I just began to really look at conversations from a point of why are we supposed to do this? For example, we are supposed to be running to the dining hall. Why are we running? <laughs> and this, I think, was also shaped by when I got to high school. I got to high school really late. Uh, people were reporting in January. I reported in March. Uh, when I got there, my desk met was uh, got into a fight with someone. When they went to solve the issue, the teacher sort of said that Patricia is our bad girl so do not really interact with her because now that is coming off on on my best friend now uh, in 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 high school and i started leaving out the tag uh, because I, earlier on i felt that i just wanted now to leave out who i was and and to question things and all that in form three i had a phone in school i wasn't really expelled i i came back home and uh i did i told my dad i'm not going back to that school and that was a pretty good school uh in uh in in uh, nyanza province then uh, so I, I i told her i told him i wanted to go to a day school i was just done with it uh done with the whole branding that I, I just got this negative branding just because I used my voice more than most uh, people my age did. And so I, I signed up to a day school. It was a district school. I came from a national school to a district school. So that was shocking uh, to my father. And she uh, he actually did not come to terms uh, with it for a very long time. I performed well. I went to law school. And pretty much the reason why I even was going to law school was I, I really was just so fed up with the injustices that was happening to so many people and they didn't have a voice they were not supposed to speak up about it uh, and they were really not supposed to say anything so in my third year in campus I got pregnant and that's when I, I would say my life really began it was a moment of self-discovery it was a moment that I have not really been I had not at that point really been introduced to who I was and I think the pregnancy really introduced me to who I was. I connected myself more spiritually, uh, emotionally. Uh, it was a, a very difficult time because I didn't know how to break it to my, my, my family, to break the news to my family. I also lost quite a number of friends. And, and because I went through campus, uh, really trying to still 
fit in and and not really also try to not be visible i didn't have a lot of of uh, social capital i just went into my cocoon and during that period i got to discover myself i got to discover a lot about me that i did not know uh, fortunately enough i gave birth after after campus so i got pregnant in fourth year not that year sorry so i gave birth after campus because i didn't want the shame that came i, I mentioned earlier i'm from a very conservative family i i was raised well my dad was really one of the greatest pillars of my life and I think that really informed the person that I was even growing up I had such self-confidence that I didn't see in a lot of other people and so that is why it was easier for me to say what I thought and so I I felt like I had disappointed him I felt like I could not be able to operate in that environment anymore and so I went and stayed uh with uh my baby daddy at, at that time I didn't really break the news how they knew I was pregnant is they got the note I forgot it somewhere uh and that's how my dad discovered that I was pregnant so I fled of course I came home I was still in my first trimester it was barely showing and so I left uh, Kisumu for Nairobi and I sort of misplaced the pregnancy <laughs> results uh, wherever that I, I, I got when I went to the hospital. And my dad got it in the bookshelf while sh he was arranging the books and uh, called my cousin, uh, then was my best friend, uh, and asked if there was a mistake because my dad <laughs> did not believe what he saw. And and that's when that's how they discovered that I was pregnant. So when they called earlier, I had lied that I was going to get some employment and I was going to stay with my friend. So when he called, uh, of course, he was pretty shocked, I would say, but also very disappointed. Uh, my mom was so devastated and I, I understood uh, it was just they did not expect it from me. I was not the troublemakers and it came to uh, really, I, I, I barely had relationships, especially with uh, with boys. And so they didn't see where that was coming from. And that was tough. But in that moment, I said that I would make my parents proud and I would turn it around and I would make something out of everything that happened. And so I stayed there for a while. I spiritually connected with God a lot. And myself, I discovered that it was not my personality. There was nothing wrong with it. It was okay for me to say when I was not okay. It was okay for me to voice my opinions. And, and I just needed to accept that that's the kind of person that I am and not to dumb down so that other people would feel comfortable. I also learned the closest person to me was me and I needed to be my best, best friend. And so that experience for me was the highlight of my life. I would say I would never be the person that I am today if it were not for my daughter. She's seven now. She has just given me so much grounding and just so much to look out for and to look up to that I, I I feel that if it were not for her, I would not be the person that I am. So to just backtrack a bit, I decided to come back home after I, I had given birth. My dad told me, come home. And I think that was the best, the best thing that I ever had from a parent, despite the fact that everything went wrong, there was still a place for me at home and I came back. I, I was pretty still depressed. I, I thought I had failed everyone. And because I, I, I wasn't employed, I had to take care of a whole child. 
I didn't know how to. At 23, I don't think I was I was even uh, supposed to be having a baby in the first place. It's too much uh, for any 23-year-old. And so I came back home. My dad recognized that I was depressed uh, a bit, uh, and I... I started seeing a therapist, but I also what what he did for me was get me a place to volunteer so that I was not at home and just uh, sinking in my sorrows and all that. So when they took in the baby, I they they just loved her, <laughs> and and everything in that moment made sense. I was commuting from home to work every day, so I would get to also spend time, but. That was my mommy's baby and, and my my daddy's best friend. Uh, until now, the, the connection is just so divine. I got to volunteer for a health rights organization because in my campus, I did health law. I was really passionate about health law. I was really passionate about issues around gender-based violence and and uh, and everything associated with that and that gave me gave me life just serving and being there but you know it was still me volunteering so most of the time i didn't have the resources to be able to live the life that i wanted to live or to give my daughter what my daughter really required and because in nairobi we had a pretty comfortable life when i come to, when i came home i didn't want to burden my parents so i didn't ask for money for diapers and the basic needs that my my child needed. So I had to hustle. I had to like look for ways to make sure that my my daughter was comfortable. And so that required that at times I would walk very long distances on foot uh, just to do the commute, not because my parents did not uh, want to provide for me, but I felt that I did not want to be a burden. And coming back to that promise that I made to myself that I would, made my, I would make my parents really proud. And so I, it was a really difficult time uh, financially, but emotionally one of the most beautiful times of my life because I recognized that in that moment that family was indeed everything. So my baby daddy uh, was not very helpful financially when I came back to Kisumu. Part of it was because he was also very disappointed that I, I left and so I understood where he was coming from. But I also got to a point that I got fed up asking for money. And I just say that if he wanted to come through, he will come through. But this was really my responsibility. And I wanted to make sure that I understood in that moment that I, I had everything in me to take care of that situation. I just did not want to go through the stress of, of asking. But also that sort of made me feel less than. And I wanted to just ensure that in that moment, I was everything that my daughter wanted me to be because I, she was really the one of the greatest blessings of my life. So I, I hustled a lot, but I didn't tell anyone I was struggling. So most people did not know how much I struggled. I walked on foot for so long uh, to just cover some kilometers so that I could use the rest of the money to cover the rest of the kilometers so that my baby could have diapers. And there was this night that I did not get to buy the diapers and my baby peed in bed and she was so uncomfortable that entire night. 
And I looked at her in that moment and I said, this is the lowest that we will ever go. For me, I think that is the moment that I picked up myself. I told myself that enough is enough. I can do this. I was made to do this. I went back to work and I, I, I told the director at that time that I feel that I have served enough. I need to look for employment. It doesn't matter whether it's washing toilets. I didn't care what I was going to do. I just wanted to provide and I wanted to make sure that my baby is comfortable and not to regret the fact that I left and came back home because I also believe that was the best decision that I made. No one should ever get married just because of a baby. And so that was my the turning point of my life because of the work that I did that was really great around issues around gender-based violence. I was offered employment. It was not a lot of money, but the day I took my first check, that was, the I think, the beginning of the rest of my life. I got so much uh, from that moment that I, I don't think I could ever describe. For me, that has been the bedrock of why I championed for economic independence for women because there's something about that check in your hand that really just restores everything for you, including your self-esteem and your confidence and your belief that you can indeed do anything. I began my journey of employment now. I feel my purpose is to just connect to the girls who don't see that it makes sense. In the long run, I feel that everything that I lived through was for me to be an inspiration and for me to be uh, to impact someone else's life positively. And so my journey has been full of ups and downs. But uh, one of the things that I, I've, I've really realized is that I didn't have to lose my voice all along. I didn't have to always want to fit in. It was not a must for me to fit in. I could be able to just live my life without having to live up to the standards. And one of the things that that has done for me in raising a girl is to ensure that her opinion matters and for her to know that she can speak up. That if she's not comfortable, for example, I will not force her to do something that she's not comfortable doing. Like I see, for example, mothers insisting that you have to say hi to people and be nice. My child does not owe anyone being nice to them. And she can be able to tell me that she's not comfortable visiting so-and-so or being in the company of so-and-so, that would be okay. And the depth of the conversations we have with her is from a point of acknowledging that she's enough and she is uh, good enough to be able to say how she feels and for her feelings to be valid in that moment. And although she's a child and she still needs guidance, I wouldn't silence her. I would let her speak up. I would give the guidance as the uh, the adult in the room, but I would also acknowledge that she has the right to be able to speak out. And had I been given that right to be able to say how I felt, I would not have been... Uh, I have been forced to close down or to go into my cocoon or to feel like I needed reassurance at in some moments because the world uh, viewed me as someone who was uh, vocal as a bad person. It speaks a lot about also our education system and how we just always uh, look at kids at, as people who are supposed to not be heard. They just have to appear and be seen but not to be heard and that their opinion doesn't even matter in some of the very little things like I'm feeling pain 
but they are disregarded and their pain is never really looked at as something that is is supposed to be looked into and so my parenting skills have been really shaped by how I've lived my life I can say right now that my pregnancy was the best thing that ever happened to me I I don't think I would be the person that I was today if it were not for that process and that just uh, having a lot of time to yourself to think and to be to to just uh, reconcile with the person to forgive yourself and to give uh, forgive the other people that also uh, hurt you in one way or the other and to also just ensure that I get to be the person that I was created to be. So that was, I think, one of the highlights of my life. So moving forward, married, waiting for my second child, and uh, Wait, in, pregnant now? I'm pregnant. Oh, Thank you. Actually, I'm delivering any time now, so I'm Tam. Uh, yes, so <laughs> I really just feel so blessed in this moment. And not to say that marriage or childbirth is an achievement of sorts. It's just to say that I did not see myself here. And so I'm, I'm just celebrating those very small wins to be in a thriving career and to do the thing that I love to do every single day, to work in a, a space where I feel like I'm fulfilling my purpose and to give voices to girls and women who ordinarily would not have their voices heard. I'm not saying giving voices in the times that I am the one to give them the voice. It's to empower them enough to see that their voice is always in there. I refuse to be the voice of the voiceless. I feel that is one of the most, I don't know how to put it, but it's, I, it's just not my favorite phrase because it devalues someone to a point that you, you now have to be their savior. And I know that I'm not someone else's savior, but I know that what I know can be able to be transferred into another girl who does not have the, their self-esteem going for them or who does not feel like they fit in, but to just transfer what I know to them so that they can be able to voice those feelings and to be able to get the solutions that they require to then be the master of their own lives. One thing that I would like to tell anyone who is struggling to find their voice is that your voice matters and it's something that is in you. It is not something to look out for outside of who you are. Voice your feelings. Your feelings are valid. If you're not feeling okay, you're not feeling okay. If something does not make sense, it does not make sense. Do not just follow a path just because you're told to follow the path. You need to question why. And you need to ask yourself in that moment, that does it make sense for you? So for me, finding your voice is about just giving yourself permission to have feelings and giving yourself permission to put those feelings into words and not being ashamed of how people will see you or what they will think of you in that moment, your feelings matter and you need to speak them out. My child gave me my voice back because I now needed to take care of a whole human being. I didn't know how I pulled through. It took a village. I felt in that moment because one of the things that happened when you get pregnant so early is that that is how people define you. And so I needed to redefine myself. I needed to reintroduce me to me not just for me, but so that when my daughter asks questions, I can be able to put them into 
context from a point of wholeness and not brokenness so i needed to be okay for me so that then that would be have a ripple effect on how my daughter saw herself and today i see a girl who is very confident and very self-aware i credit to the fact that she gave me permission to reintroduce me to me it needed me to be whole and it needed me to be okay and part of being okay was to acknowledge that I was not okay. 100 African Stories, the Legally Clueless 2021 tour powered by African No Filter. We're traveling through Kisumu, Nakuru, Mombasa, and Nairobi, bringing you real, raw, and inspiring African stories. As I said, didn't that feel like a beautiful story, but also a powerful pep talk? I'm so glad Patricia applied to share her story. And she came and I was like, Oh my word, like you could actually give birth <laughs> on our set. But I also really like how intentional she is about her parenting with her daughter. It's something that I have really been thinking about. Not for my own kids. I think I have said this many times on this podcast. Uh, that kid thing, I'm really not sure about having any kids. But I mean in terms of my two nieces and nephew. So yes, in the middle of... All of this madness with the tour and everything. I think I may have mentioned it either here on my social media. I am an aunt again. Ah! So I have two nieces now and one nephew. Obviously, I've spoken about my first niece, Bernadette, with you before. And my sister has come on to the podcast and shared her story about getting pregnant and giving birth to Bernie. But also my other sister gave birth to twins, a boy and a girl. So it's super, they're just so gorgeous. But when I think about intentional parenting, I think about also my role being an aunt. Like, I really want them to be so self-aware and I feel like that's going to be my role and self-aware in terms of who they are but also what is their responsibility in taking care of this world that we've been given this magic that's around us which is nature and other humans like what's their role in being decent human beings you know what I mean and so I always think about that I'm like oh my god okay so when will I introduce this I don't know if their parents know that I'm just like working out an entire self-awareness syllabus for my nieces and nephew. But yeah, I think about it a lot because I want, I like I'm the way I am because my mom was intentional about making us all so self-aware and meeting us where we are. So I'm just thinking, okay, okay, so how do we do this for these little people. So when Patricia was talking about it, I just kept thinking about my nieces and nephew. Another thing I want to be intentional about is my gratitude to you for listening to the podcast. Just found out that we are amongst the top three most listened to podcasts in Kenya on Spotify, which is amazing, right? So I'm I'm very grateful that you listen to this podcast and that when I check out the hotline number i get messages like this hi adele my name is sylvia i really 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 love the podcast i've been a number one fan since the first episode dropped and i've been listening to the podcast all through i binge on it when i'm working when i'm sharing i really love the stories they're very inspiring thank you so much for listening to this podcast remember audio episodes go out every single monday morning the video episodes from the tour will be very soon on our youtube channel so make sure you click the link in our show notes go and like 
Is it like? No, go subscribe and turn on your notifications. In case you do not have show notes on the platform that you're listening to this episode on, just go to YouTube and search Legally Clueless Podcast. You will find us. I don't know why I sang that or this. <laughs> Yo, I need to end this episode right here so that I can get to packing my tiny clothes. I can't hope Mombasa is hot as usual because if it's not, I will be left with a bunch of crop tops and short shorts <laughs> in the rain, which will not be cool. But yeah, I need to pack my small clothes for Mombasa. So I will catch you in next week's episode. That's it for this episode of Legally Clueless. You can share this podcast with your friends. You can keep it for yourself. I'm not judging. Just make sure you're here next week for the next episode.